And uh, it, it kind of has to do with what we're talking about today, actually a, a good chunk. Because back then, what we're going to find out today is that you know, people aren't really that much different through the years. They're really not. And so that's kind of like a neat thing that you get when you read through the Bible. You just see that human nature just really hasn't changed a whole lot. People still get greedy. They still get jealous. Um, it, it's still nice to have someone that has character and integrity. Uh, it's still refreshing to be around somebody that has goals and that they can set them and accomplish them. And uh, People still struggle in the same ways. I mean, human nature just really has not changed that much. And thinking has not changed a whole lot either. A little bit. I mean, we've I'd like to say we've gotten smarter through the years. But in some regards, especially kind of faith-related, it hasn't really changed a whole lot. First century thinking and 21st century thinking hasn't really changed a ton. And uh, we're going to see some of that today. But uh, those people back then, with the first century and 21st century today, Sometimes they just didn't get it, especially like as far as faith goes and like religion and how God plays in the picture. Sometimes they're just a stumbling block and they just didn't get it. And some people just don't get it just because they don't want to. But some people just get kind of caught up in the wrong things. And, uh, and that happens today, especially with views on church and with views as far as, you know, what are the essentials, what's really important about Christianity, you know, what are the core doctrine things. And so back to the teacher thing, uh, in school I had, you know, a fair amount of classes where I had a hard time and I didn't get it. And so some teachers really help you not get it. And so that's what I was thinking of as just a teacher that was just like, what are you doing? So we were talking about our uh, teachers that we just don't remember thought were the worst. I was sharing about how the teacher I thought was the worst. In college I had a class... Uh, yeah, I actually had him twice. It was awful. Uh, it was a calculus one and linear algebra. And uh, I think I had the linear algebra one first, and that was my first interaction with him. And this guy, uh, he didn't even bring the textbook. He would just walk in late usually, you know. So here you are sitting in class. You're hoping he won't even show up so he can leave early. But then he'd come in late and crush your hopes. And then he would just come in, put his back to you, and just start writing on the board. And I'm like what is going on right now? What is this guy talking about? And every class was like that. And it was just a total struggle. And so honestly, in the middle of it, I was just like, what am I doing? And I tried to drop it. I couldn't drop it. And now I know, I'm thinking in the middle of the class, I'm like, this is a disaster. I'm failing this right now. I'm wasting money. This guy's making me mad. I go to his office hours. He just blows me off. This is just a nightmare. And so I'm just, it was awful. I ended up failing the class. And I was just like, oh, God, I Dr. Waveris. And if he listens online, sorry, Dr. Waveris, but it was just, did not go well. And so then I had to retake it. I failed it, right? I failed the class. That stunk. So I had to retake it. And, uh, See, here's the problem. I'm doing it right now. I, I had the good teacher. I can't remember her name. Um, no, 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 no. This is college. <laughs> so, uh, so I got the good teacher anyways. And man, I walked in there. Totally different setting. You know, she'd come on time. That was nice. Had her, bro had her book, explained stuff, wrote it down. And as she was going through it, I remember the first day. And I was like, are you kidding me? It was this easy? I had no idea. It was just, I just had to do some simple kind of like math operations to some different things. And I was like, I can't believe I failed that class. What a waste of time. What a waste of money. She just helped get the ideas home, you know. And when she did that, as I went through the class, I was doing well. I had like a B plus or an A minus in there. I couldn't believe it. 
I learned nothing the first time, so it wasn't like I got some other information and stuck it together. I just learned it all the second time. But a good teacher, you know, they can help illuminate things, put things into perspective, like show you the whole thing, uh, create the questions, and they can do it in like a delicate way. Uh, they, uh, it's almost like the game of Jenga, or if you had like some cards and you're trying to like, you know, build like a, a big thing out of cards, you have to be really careful with the foundation and put them on there just right and continue to build it up and be careful. And with the teacher, you kind of have to do the same thing. You know, you start with the foundation going slow, trying to build it carefully so everybody can follow, everybody can understand what's going on. And then within that knowledge, you try and maybe ask just a little bit harder ones here and there and really assess where they're at. And then you're really strengthening their foundation. And from there, you build up slowly. Because if you go too fast, you knock the whole thing over. And if you go too slow, you're just boring everybody. And so a good teacher does a great job of just explaining that stuff. And she did a wonderful job of that. And we're going to see um, today that Paul comes on the scene and he's going to do a great job of sort of illuminating, bringing to mind and bringing to their attention what is really going on with the Old Testament, with the prophets, uh, with Jesus. How does it all relate? Try to avoid some of the confusion. And so he brings it to light, and then people are just grateful for it. They're really grateful for it. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Acts chapter 13. And uh, we'll title it, Respond When You Can. And we'll kind of find out later kind of why I titled it that way. Uh, we're going to start at verse 13. We're going to do a little bit of reading today. But we'll try and uh, cut it down a little bit. And what we'll do is we'll break it down into three parts. Think on the next slide we have three parts. So if you're following along, it's, it's kind of helpful if we look at the three parts. The first part is just kind of the setting. Right, Paul would just step on the scene. It's just the setting. We'll see the context of where he showed up, who he was talking to. Then we'll get the message, what Paul was actually talking about. Because uh, there's some very important things in there. And then we'll look at the response. Like, how did these guys take it? How did um, the people that were listening and who agreed, how did they take it? And the people that disagreed, how did they take it? And then what was the response? It was an interesting response uh, to Paul and Barnabas who actually brought the message. So we'll take a look at a bunch of that stuff. So let's read through it, and then, uh, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. So verse 13. says, from Paphos, so they're in this place before. Um, from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga and Pamphylia where John left them to return to Jerusalem. From Perga, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. Uh, on the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. So we have a map. And just so you can just see real quick, we, I like showing the map just so you can get an idea of what's going on. Um, on the map there, you can see, we kind of see we talked about before. Basically, in chapter 13, in the beginning part, they were over here. And then it just in the beginning sentences, it just says that they sailed up and they really they ended up over here, which is like modern-day Turkey. A lot of this stuff actually all happened like in Turkey. I would like to, you know, at some point in time, just take a look at Turkey and this whole area and just see what was going on there because that's where all this like new church stuff was going on. So anyways, they're up there. And then it says while they're up there that this guy John bailed on them. And that's John Mark, the guy who wrote the Gospel of Mark. And we don't really know why he left. That was kind of a weird thing. But he left and went back to Jerusalem. And that was actually a problem with Paul that we'll get to later. There was a big disagreement there, kind of a falling out. But the nice news is at the end of the story, they kind of make up with each other. And then once they get up there in Pisidian Antioch, they come into the synagogue like they would normally do. So what they do is they show up to an area. 
and they would show up on Sunday. Well, not really Sunday. They're Jewish. They'd show up on Saturday in the synagogue, and they would sit there, and you know they would listen to whatever's going on, and then a lot of times they get invited to speak and just share a little bit of something. And so that's what's going on in this case. So they see them sitting there. They've gone through their reading, and they say, well, that's not good. And they say, uh, if you have a word of encouragement, please speak. So in verse 16, standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, Men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God. He said, listen to me. So he's going to kind of get into his message now, right? We talked about the second part being the message. It says, The God of people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 400 years. So he's just kind of just giving the backdrop, just explaining, hey, I understand what happened. You guys understand what happened. God chose us as a nation. We were in Egypt for a while. Uh, God set us free. Then we wandered around in the desert for about 40 years. And then we were about to enter into this promised land, the land of Canaan, and God cleared it out ahead of us. He cleared out all these, these seven nations in front of us. And all this took about 400 years, really, to get us to be to the place where we're our own people. We have our own land. We have everything that we need. It took us about 400 years for God just to groom us and get us to that place. And verse, uh, second half of verse 20. So after this, God gave them judges. Right? And if you remember, that's the book of Judges in the Bible. God gave them judges until the time of, time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, from the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled forty years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. And so when God made him their own nation, well, what's the structure? It's like God just got a group of us and he just brought us to a new place. And it's brand new, like, who's going to be our leader? What are we going to do? Like, what are the laws? Is there a government set up? How does that go? And so they had that same issue. And so what happened is they had judges that's kind of set up. God just kind of set up leaders for these guys. And then after a period of time, they realized, hey, look at this nation over here. Look at this nation over here. Like, all of them have kings. And they seem to be going well. We should have a king. And God is like, well, I think it's better, you know, if there's a leader and I can really lead you guys and you're going to get tripped up if there's a king. I'm going to warn you. And they're like, no, 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 we want a king, we want a king. So they gave him a king. They gave him Saul. And then from Saul, he kind of messed up. So then David takes his place and he's just kind of reliving the history. And it said that David was a man after his own heart. God wanted him. He was willing to do whatever God wanted him to do. So in verse 23, we pick up. From this man, David, from David's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus as he promised. So Jesus being a descendant from David. Before the coming of Jesus, John, that's John the Baptist, he preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. And as John the Baptist was completing his work, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not that one, because people thought he was like the new, the Savior, the Messiah, but he was just trying to set the record straight. I'm not really the Messiah. He said, no, but he is coming after me, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. So in verse 26, Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us 
that this message of salvation has been sent. So now, here's he's trying to like illuminate. Remember we talked about the good teachers, they can illuminate, build that foundation, kind of have everybody come on the same page. He's trying to do that now and instill that. He starts from what they know. They know their history, they know their heritage, they know how they were founded. And from there, he's going to try and build into the picture where this whole Jesus guy comes into play. And so it says, the message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus. Yet in condemning Him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to, care, to have Him executed. So these guys would read every synagogue. That's what they would do. They would get up, they'd read from the law, from like the first five books of Pentateuch, and then they would read from the prophet. And that's what they would do. And they would actually, you know, be reading about this story of Jesus and what was happening right before their eyes. And if you remember, you know, Jesus stood up one time and read from Isaiah and He said, today, this is actually being fulfilled right in front of your face. Like, right now, this is happening. And uh, they didn't even catch it. And they also didn't catch the fact when they read from the prophets that they said, you're going to crucify this guy, he's going to hang on a cross, he's going to be betrayed. All these things were happening right in front. They had no idea. They were playing right into it. Playing right into it. And in verse 29, it says, When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. Here's the, here's the good news. Verse 30, have that one highlighted. But God raised him from the dead. And for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. So he rose from the dead. That's the big thing here. And he traveled, met a whole bunch of different people. And now we, this guy Paul, Barnabas, all these other people, are witnesses to this thing and they're telling everybody else about it. So verse 32, we tell you the good news. So what is the good news? What is the gospel? Right, the gospel is for good news. What God promised our fathers, He has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising of Jesus, as is written in the second Psalms. So what God promised to our forefathers, the people who were before us, it's happening right now in front of our eyes. This is a very exciting time. You guys should be on board with this. This is, this is amazing. It's happening right before our eyes. Our forefathers got promised this. It didn't happen in their time. It's happening in our time. Right now. Right before us. We're in it. Like this is it. And he says, here's how come. And then he goes back to what they know. The Old Testament. And the second psalm. It refers back to a verse. You are my son. Today I have become your father, referencing Jesus. In verse 34, the fact that God raised him from the dead, never to decay, is stated in these words. And so now they're also saying, see, look, in the Old Testament that we read about, it was even said that he was going to rise from the dead. I will give you the holy and sure blessings promised to David. So it is stated elsewhere, you will not let your holy one see decay. Right? So they take those passages to mean, oh, that meant Jesus was going to rise from the dead. That's predicting that he was going to die. So in verse 36, For when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, right, he fell asleep, he was buried with his fathers, and his body decayed. But the one whom God raised from the dead did not decay. And so what they mean by that is David, he wrote the Psalms. So if David himself wrote, you won't let your holy one see decay, Right, David died. They thought that, you know, I was just talking about David, but David died. And so, Paul is setting the record straight, and he's saying, no, this is really actually about Jesus, his descendant. That's what this is really about. 
So verse 38, Therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through Him, everyone who believes is justified from everything you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Take care that what the prophets have said does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers, wonder and perish, for I am going to do something in your days that would never, that you would never believe, even if someone told you. So you're telling them, you know what? Be careful. Be careful. It happened before. We have a bad pattern, you know, us being Jewish, of rejecting kind of the right way and not noticing a pattern. Don't do it now. I'm coming to you now. That's why I'm coming to you. It's to give you a warning. So as Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things. So now he has their attention. They want to know more. So they say, hey, come back next week. So verse 43. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. So a bunch of people are really grateful for this you know, news being just shown to them because they didn't know it. It says, On the next Sabbath, so now we catch up next week, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. So now, we're going to go to the Gentiles. So basically, the crowd got stirred up, got them to go against them, and they said, Listen, if you guys are going to reject us, we're going to the Gentiles, that's us. Right? That's all of us that aren't you know, Hebrew and Jewish by nationality. And then he quotes, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, so all of us, right, us type people, they were very glad, very excited, and uh, all who were appointed for eternal life believed. In verse 49, the word of the Lord spread to the whole region, but the Jews incited the God-fearing women, kind of interesting, got the women going of high standing and the leading men of the city. So talking to the leading women, the leading men, they stirred up persecution against Paul Barnabas, and they expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust from their feet in protest against them and went to another place, Iconium, which we'll learn about later, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So, pretty interesting, right? So we have a scene where they come into this new area and their kind of, their way of doing it is going in and sitting down in the synagogue. They come get them, they give a little word and then we kind of see what happens after that. Within that, uh, they talk about the message, this new message that they haven't heard yet before about Jesus Christ and how He fits in to the Old Testament prophets and kind of explains, this is what we're waiting for. This is what the forgiveness of sin is. See, it was even described before that He had to raise from the dead and He did raise from the dead. All this stuff took place. All these things happened. And they ended up, a good chunk of them, rejoicing and being happy and being, oh, thank you for bringing this good news to us. You know, Paul just does a great job of illuminating them and letting them know this is the real story. This is what is really going on. And then at the end, he wants to warn them. Because basically those are his two reasons for going there. He wants to go there, explain the scriptures, make sure they know what's going on. And then he also wants to warn them. So a couple things from this. One thing is, as you read it, which you might miss as you're reading it, is that God has a lot of patience. Think it's on the next slide. 
Maybe the one after that one. But God has a lot of patience for the Jew at this point in time. Because, I mean, you've got to consider. If someone took your son or your daughter and really, you know, put them through hell, right, and then hung them on a cross and just, man, did some awful things and treated them in an awful way. And that wasn't their first time. I mean, there's people that came along and they said, hey, we're from God. You have to change your ways. You've you got to stop. You've got to stop worshipping false idols. You've got to stop making these sacrifices to God. Uh, You've got to stop you know, fornicating like the way you are as worship practices. I mean, all the prophets in the Old Testament were doing those things. And what happened to them? They got thrown in cisterns. They got stoned. They got killed from their own people. And so, like, this was a regular occurring pattern. Like, they weren't building their stock. You know, they were really not helping their cause at all. And so God's patient, so patient to them, where He comes to them first, right after they just crucified Him. And God is still like, no, these are my people. They don't understand. I want to bring the truth to them. So He sends Paul and Barnabas out there to give the truth to them. And let them know. And still giving them another chance. Here's what really happened. Here's the way it really went down. And so it just paints a great picture that you could miss if you just kind of read through it of how God just pursues after us. He wants all of us and loves all of us. And really you can't be bad enough because really it doesn't get much worse than hanging His own son on a cross. And that's what they're responsible for. And in a lot of cases they were proud for that fact. So the unbelievable patience that God would do this. And He brought it to them first with the message. And then we're going to see later on that Paul Barnes, they bring it to the Gentiles. So the patience is amazing that God has. And the love, I mean that patience is really driven by love. The supreme love that He has for us. And how He wants us to be right with Him. So the next big thing that kind of sticks out was that the message really hasn't changed. First century then, to 2011 now, the right message, the correct message, really hasn't changed. You know, our slogan and theme here, we try and keep is church without religion. And we like it for a couple reasons. It's kind of catchy. Um, At the root of it, though, there's really, there's a point to it. There's a point that it's really about a relationship with God. And that's why there's that verse underneath it from Isaiah... Right, another prophet, where the Jews you know, had a hard time, where Isaiah was a prophet, he's trying to tell them the right way to live, and they weren't listening. And that verse underneath basically says, yeah, you know, these people, they worship me with their hands, they celebrate these days, um, they do all the things, they're really busy for God. But your heart is actually really far away from me, it's really just lip service. That's really what it comes down to. And so we say church without religion, because the focus is about the relationship. Right? The focus is really about the relationship with God. And Jewish people back then, even people nowadays, it, it gets confused. The message gets weird sometimes. Even as far as church goes, we can mess things up and not get it right sometimes. Because a church, in and of itself, won't get you saved. It won't get you justified. And it doesn't add anything to your salvation at all. The purpose of a church that you find from the Bible, from Hebrews and from different passages, is that so we come together, we encourage one another, strengthen each other, and build each other up. That's the purpose of church. 
And so I have a lot of friends that, you know, when we talk about, like, faith and religion and things like that, oh, I'm good, you know, I do this, I do that. And, and they always throw in, like, I go to church every Sunday, you know. I, okay, like, but it's not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to buy you anything. I mean, it's just a building, you know, is where we're going to go and meet. You know, but the real heart of the matter is, do you know more about Jesus' heart than you did, like, a year ago? Do you understand, like, how much compassion he has for you? How much compassion, you know, how he feels about other people? How close are you getting to the heart of God? Like, that's really the issue. And the church, it's just a way to help you get there. That's all that it is. So, like, attendance and things that, uh, that you do at church, it's good and it's important, but in and of itself, God's not sitting up there with, like, you know, gold stars as far as attendance goes in church. Um... The other nice thing about church, because some people sometimes go the other way too. They say, well, you know what? The way church is nowadays, it's got really institutionalized. It's got, there's a, there's a lot of um, structure to it and just like, it doesn't give as much freedom, you know, to the Holy Spirit and what God might want to do. And so then sometimes uh, people go the other way and start home churches and do things like that, which is, that's okay. Um, but sometimes there's problems with that too. Sometimes it's hard to get good accountability in there. Um, sometimes it's, good, it's hard to get new people to come in and be involved and be a part. That can be difficult too. Um, but again, what's the answer? Church is a place where everybody as a body gets strengthened. They get encouraged. And the other side of the coin is, what you find in 1 Corinthians 12, is that it's a place where people use their gifts together to build up the body. Right? I'm thinking of downstairs, they show a video uh, with this guy, this goofy guy, dances around and does these things. And it, he does this, I'm not going to do it now, but he does the body dance, how we're the part of the body, and he does like this stuff. Dan knows what I'm talking about, it's a pretty funny video. But uh, it's stuck in my head. But that's where we come to church, because we all have gifts. And we've talked about before spiritual gifts and how God has given us each different ones and in different measures. And so the point is we can come together and we can build each other up and build the body up with those gifts. And so I think I've also told you before that um, you might not even be sure really what they are, how much of one or how that all works, but there's a nice um, assessment thing we have on our website that's helpful as far as, you know, if you're curious about your spiritual gifts and, um, you know, how God has created you in those ways. And, and it's pretty helpful to kind of better understand what your gifts are and then try and plug those in to church. So, I don't know. We have a quote. I think there's a quote up here. I'm not sure why we're stuck on the church thing, but I don't know. I just feel like we are. But um, we've, we've had this quote before. Church isn't where, we meet, where you meet. Church isn't a building. Church is what you do, right? You guys, each person, right? You're really the church. You make it up. Church is who you are. Church is the human outworking of the person of Jesus Christ. Let's not go to church. Let's be the church. And this woman that wrote it, uh, she's a wife of a um, guy who's a pastor around California. But, I mean, she's really got it right. Like, church, I mean, sometimes we just don't get it. We think that just by going through the motions and showing up and being part of things, um, that somehow that's good and God reward us for it. And uh, we just can get that twisted up sometimes. And about the end of the day, it's really just about the relationship. And that's what, you know, we're trying to do here at Calvary Chapel in August. Like, it's just emphasize the fact that, hey, it's about a relationship. 
And wherever God takes you, He takes you. That's the important thing. So you can come to Calvary Chapel, Naugatuck, get built up, uh, learn about some stuff, serve together. And if God calls some person to go somewhere and do that, go for it and go do it. Don't, we don't want to be on the side of, well, we need to have you here for a while and, uh, you know, put a guilt trip on somebody or something. You've got to have enough freedom to let God take whoever He's going to take. And that's the way it was in the early church. I mean, you think that when they sent Paul and Barnabas out, those are two big-time players. Like, they were, they were around. Like, they were, they were MVPs, really, of that whole apostle squad. And do you really want to send out your two best people? I mean, it's kind of nice to keep them at home and work with them there. But sometimes that's what God does, and so you have to be open to that stuff. So the church, I don't know, we get weird and kind of funky with stuff, but God's intent is that we just know His heart better. We understand how He cares about us, that our times in prayer become richer with Him, that we understand more through the Word about how He cares about us. Like, that's really the root of it. And so within that message... At church, hopefully people are hearing right, that God did rise from the dead. And that's the only way there's a word justified in here that they talked about. That's the only way you're justified before God. And the other thing we take away from this is that some people accept it and some people reject it. Right? That's another thing we see from the passage. We definitely see God's patience where He shows up. And... Um, He's given them more chances. The message hasn't changed to where uh, it's the same thing. God has come, saved us of our sins. If we believe in Him, we're saved. Some people accept it, though. Some people reject it. And that's true even today, right? Some people, you just put it out there and who knows where it's going to go and what's going to happen. But if the time comes up and you feel like you really got to share you know, the truth about Jesus, you just, you just got to do it. And uh, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. And at the end of their trip, I mean, they left because, you know, some people rose up and they said, hey, we don't like, you know, what you're bringing. We don't believe it. And it was probably for wrong reasons. They're probably jealous. I mean, that next week they had huge crowds and people wanted to hear it. And, uh, you know, it says that they shook off their feet, right? They shook them off and they left. That was kind of a sign to say, hey, we're done with you. We did what we could. You know, there's not much else we can do. And sometimes it comes at that point in life. Sometimes it does. So, a couple of thoughts just to take away as we leave, before we leave today. Two thoughts, really. That's it. First one is, I think it's got a lot of value, is what is the last Christian truth? I think we have it up here. What was the last Christian truth that you have learned that just blew your mind? What was the last Christian truth that you learned that really blew your mind? Maybe it's never happened. I don't know. But... A pastor friend of mine likes to say that the Christian life, the Christian walk, is a series of simple truths that are profoundly expressed time and time again. Simple truths that are profoundly expressed. To me, it might not be a big deal to you, but to me, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And that should be like something that happens throughout your Christian walk. And it might not be every week or every day, but there should be marker points where it's like, and if you're sitting there thinking, man, it's been a long time since that one's happened. You know, that's the... Maybe you got to get in gear a little bit. What's the last thing that really blew your mind? And as, you know, I was writing it, and I was thinking, I was like, yeah, what is? You know, I, one of the biggest things that come to mind, you know, is just the, the whole concept of being married. You know, we're about almost six years in now. 
and a, a simple concept that people just say and talk about, it blows my mind. And now I just see it, and it's just like self-sacrificing love, like to the way God intended it. That is, it rocks my, it's unbelievable just the way that you have to, you know, love your spouse and the way God will put that love in there uh, that to where it's just, you'll just extend all of yourself to the other person. And it's up to them what they do with it. And, and you want to, you want to address when your feelings are hurt and when there's problems and when there's difficulties. But at the end of the day, have the main goal to just love them no matter what. No matter what you get back. No matter what you get back. You still showered on them. Mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing. I mean, for me, that's just. But that's a simple Christian truth that you know, self-sacrificing love, and you can say it, but you know. And, and then we'll learn, you know, when we have kids, we'll learn some other truths. But there's a lot of those things along the way where it's just, and then you'll get a new idea of patience. That's what it meant to be patient. Oh my goodness, I had no idea. Or that's what it meant to be diligent. Another big one that comes to my mind is just walking by faith and not by sight. I see so many things that go down. Walking by faith, not by sight, doesn't make a whole lot of sense a lot of times. And it actually seems kind of stupid a lot of times. It's like, well, obviously this is not going to work out because I can't see dot, 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 and dot. But sometimes that's just the way you got to do it. So the next thing, uh, and the reason why I bring that up... Um, was because when they heard this for the first time, this truth of Jesus, how it actually fit into the Old Testament, he weaved it in, and he proved it from stuff they've already known, they've already read. It must have been mind-blowing. It must have been like, wow, you just put it all together for me. I had no idea. And as they go back and study, they start to see, oh my goodness, these two lunatics, they're right. I can't believe it. We really messed up. And then they just come with like a repentful heart, and they just, it was mind-blowing for them. Mind-blowing. If you put yourself in their sandals, like, that's huge. It's huge. So then the last one here. Another thing that comes up that I see, and I think it's another thing, I think if you read through it, you can miss it, is fear of man. And why do I put that up there? I put that up there because as we're reading and we're talking about these guys, one very subtle thing that is there, and is, but it's definitely there, is that Peter, Barnabas... Paul, I mean, these are kind of the big players we've talked about so far. Paul and Barnabas lately. These guys had courage. That's not a word like I use a lot. As, as I was writing this and like thinking about this stuff, being courageous and courage, like, how many times do you really use that in the course of a day? How many people do you say, oh, they're courageous? Like, I don't know. I don't use it a lot. I don't hear it a lot. But Paul and Barnabas, these guys had courage. Like, they're going to a whole new place. Probably knowing ahead of time it's going to be really difficult. And think about what they're going to say to these people. Essentially, they're going to say, listen, you guys screwed up again. You killed them. You're responsible for it. You better make yourself right. It's up to you. I mean, that, that's the message that they're bringing. That's a tough mess. And, you know, of course, they did it with compassion. They did it um, in love. But that's a tough message to bring. And do you think, I mean, they're not stupid. They know in the back of their mind, hey, not everybody's going to like this. And in fact, they might even get mad at us. Or it might get violent, and then we might get stoned, and they're going to chase out of the city. Things could get really bad. But these guys weren't, they had, they had real courage. Courage in a sense, 
God showed them what they had to do and where to go. And they weren't tied so much to what, how the people were going to receive it. They were more tied to what does God really want me to do. That is an unbelievable amount of maturity as far as the Christian walk goes. Because it's so difficult nowadays. Because, you know, who doesn't want to be accepted? Who doesn't want to be liked? And then if you have self-esteem issues and you don't even really feel good about yourself, that's even harder. And so these guys come in with courage and being really courageous, just bringing the, what they think they should be doing and letting God take care of the rest. I can think of a few friends, you know, if they were to go there and then, you know, a big riot would start to uh, start up after they gave that message and people aren't happy, you know, they'd want to sit down and talk about everybody's, you know, feelings for like the next two hours and I'm really sorry and they're really upset that they are offended them. And sometimes you have to do that. You have to recognize, you know, what happened to people and why they got offended. But at this point in time, for whatever reason, it was time to not have that conversation. It was, listen, I brought this to you. We did the best that we could. And it's time for us to go. And God sometimes has to show us where those lines are and how to do that. That's a difficult thing to figure out. I mean, that's part of... That's difficult. But these guys didn't really struggle too much with this one over here in Proverbs 24, 25. It says, fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord will provide to be... Oh, I was supposed to say the fear of man. The fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Right? Fear of man is just gonna it's gonna snag you up, it's gonna trip you up. You know, you just you start to think about how are they gonna receive it, what are they gonna think, and then based on that you sort of adjust what you're gonna do. Instead of I just have to come forth and just go with this, whatever that means. I just gotta do it and I just got to put it out there. It might blow up in my face. It might make me look pretty silly. People might not agree with me, but I just have to go with it. And that's a huge, huge step in the Christian walk as far as maturity goes. So uh, let's stand and let's pray together here. So God, we just uh, we come before you, Lord, and... You know, we ask that you just uh, give us some more boldness, Lord. Uh, some more courage. And uh, help our Christian faith not to waver depending on the types of people that are around and what they might say or what they might think. Help us to be stronger than that. Help us to uh, take some steps of faith sometime when you call us to do it. Help us to uh, be a knee-jerk reaction, but in a healthy way. And God, we thank You, uh, you know, the message that Paul gave, Lord. Help that message to continue to be at the forefront of our minds, Lord, because there is where we really find Your love, Your grace, Your compassion for us. So as Easter continues to approach, Lord, and we're thinking about the sacrifices that You've made, what You went through, Help us just to meditate on that, Lord, that uh, you know, we were just carrying on sin that we couldn't do anything with, that you took it on yourself, um, and that you're going to walk through us every step of the way. And that uh, the foot of the cross is level ground. Nobody's worse than another, Lord. You just have a supreme amount of patience and compassion for us. Help us to understand how valuable we are to you, God. Sometimes we can get our value from so many other things God except what you say we just drown out your voice a lot of times with other things so help us with that Lord help us with that 
And God, we thank you for bringing the good news to us, to the Gentiles, Lord. And we always take a minute this morning just to pray for other people that are in the world right now, doing missions work, God, that are bringing your good news to people, to places that are hostile, that are difficult, Lord. And um, pray to be with them, Lord, and be with the people in the churches that are moving already to help people in Japan, Lord, who got rocked again uh, this past week, Lord. So we just pray that... Your hand will be in the middle of that, Lord. And that at the end of the day, God, people would just find a faith in you, Lord, and that they would confess you as their Savior, Lord, and that uh, you just bless them, Lord. And so, God, we thank you for this time. Pray that you guard our weeks, Lord. Um, continue to bless our times with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, so have a great week. And I think the weather's going to be nice this week, so we should enjoy that.